0: Okay, good morning everyone. Welcome to the Life in Torah of Our Leaders. Tuesdays, 11.30, live with First Seder Bis Special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining this year. And today's Shear is about Remord Yafa, who's known as the Levush. His yard site was yesterday, Gimel Adar. He was nifter in the year Shinnah in Bay, 1612, so this makes it his 409th yard site. Today's Shear is sponsored by Rabbi Mrs. Svi Morgenstern, Lila Nishmas, Mrs. Morgenstern's father, Rebruven Eliyob and Mard Svi Jaffe, whose first yard site was just on Zion Shvat, and Rabbi Jaffe was a Ben Achar Ben, from the Lavush, the same name, Yafa Jaffi, it's the same name. So the Shir is Lila Nishbas, Rebruven Eliovim and, and as well Lila Nishmas, their great 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 grandfather, the Lavush himself. Y- so let's talk about the Lavush. The Lavush was born approximately in the year 1530 in Prague. His father's name was Reb Avram Yafa who was called Rebbe Avram Mibiham, or from Bohemia. Bohemia and is like the uh, western um, part of what we would call now Czechoslovakia. Uh, the eastern part is Moravia. We've talked about Moravia a lot. Um, the western part is called Bohemia. And he was the, the chief rabbi of Bohemia. He was also the rav um, I'm sorry, so he was the chief rabbi of Bohemia. He was a Talmud of someone named Reb Avram Ben Avigdor, who was also, had previously been the Rav HaRashi, the chief rabbi of Bohemia, and also the Rav of Prague. He's known as Reb Avram Prague. In fact, the Mishnabrura, I just came across, I was learning on uh, on Sunday, I think, in the beginning of Simon Reish Mem Zayin actually quotes Reb Avram Prague, quoted by the Bach. So that is the Rebbe of the Levush's father. The Levush in Simon Reish Sa'di Dalid, when he's talking about the text of the bracha of Attocheinan that we say Matzah Shabbos, during Shem'an Esrei as Havdallah, he writes, It was not for nothing that my father taught me this text ki aduash lamden because it's well known my father was a big lamden the iskhaside and a pious person u medaktik me ul be and he was very careful and very exacting in his actions and in his prayers vigam yudali and it's also known to me shemerenu Avrammi prag that rab prag godel hador haya rab that the Rebbe Avraham Prague, who was the Gadol Ador, was my father's Rebbe Muvuk, v'hi negatsmoi kol mimanu, and my father followed all of his days what he learned from his Rebbe. So he's sort of saying that the nusach that my father has is from his Rebbe Rebbe uh, Miprag. mi But here he give you he gives you a little bit of a description of how he viewed his father, who was a Lamedin Gadol, a Chassid, midaktek ma'ibemaisav uvetzvilah. He sent his son Remardhai to I apologize I'll Turn that off. Okay. So, um, he sent his son Remardhai Reb to the Yeshiva's in Pilan to learn from the Marshal and the Ramot he also learned Kabbalah in his own words in his hakdama to his pirush on Kabbalah. He writes, "I learned it mipi ish Emune migdeilei mikubalim achraynim from the great mikubalim shmoi b'asharem Noida, He's well known, Merein Rav Matiso Ben Merein Rav Shloim Moy He calls him, and his last name was Dilkrat. He's the mafarish and a Kabbalah sefer called Shari Oira. So this was his rabbi in Kabbalah. He eventually came back to the city of Prague. Again, this is many years ago, and the uh, exact dates are not well known. But he writes, as we'll see later, he writes that he got married in Shinyud Gimel. In Shinyud Gimel he got married. So Shin Yud Gimel is about uh, 1552. So he got married in Shin Yud Gimel, and he had a yeshiva in Prague until the year Shin Chafalif. Um... And he writes about Shinhafvalf Yotsa Kesef milifne Hashem Hashem's anger came out Girish merits my because we were evicted, we were exiled from my homeland of bohemia the uh the Emperor Ferdinand decided to um exile them, and we, and he says, I was went into Galus berej Gola Mikak Prague bishna Shinhaffaf in the year fifteen sixty one I had to leave. And I went all the way to Italy and I came to the city of Venezia to Venice. Now there's a famous story that seems to have happened while he was in Venice. Now he was in Venice at, for 10 years. So the story happens as follows. There was a Rav in Venice called Chacham Abu Hav Asvardi. Abuhav is a famous Svardi name. Which Chacham Abu it's not clear. But there was a story that he was learning and studying with this um, Chacham Abu And there was a child there. Um, who was the son of the Rav of the Chacham Abuav, who made a Bara in a loud voice, and everybody answered Amen, except for the Levush, except for a Mardchai, who was thinking and learning, and he didn't hear it, I guess, and um, he didn't answer. So the Chacham Abuav got very angry at him, and he put him in Chayrim for thirty days. And after thirty days, the Levush came back, and he asked the Mechila, and the Chacham did not want to be Michael and he cried and he asked him, what did I do wrong? So he says, the Chacham answered him, you should know that because you didn't answer Amen, you really obligated your Chayiv Misa. You were guilty of a sin that its punishment is death. He says, I w- am willing to forgive you on the condition that wherever you go, you should talk about what a great sin it is not to answer Amen.'" and you should tell your children at the end of generations the following story that I'm going to tell you he says there was once in Svarad in Spain there was a king that was constantly trying to kick the Jews out and there was a certain Rav, a chassid and he was rich also and he was friendly with the king and every time there was such a gzeira, such a decree he would go and he would convince the king to calm down and, um, and to abolish the decree um, kicking everybody out, expelling everyone. So one time he came there, they told him that, it's, uh, that the king is getting very angry and he wants to expel us. So he went to the, king's, to the king's court and the king hugged him and kissed him. And in the meantime, a priest had come from very far away and he started um, blessing the king in Latin. And it was a very long, long blessing he was giving to the king. And this chassid didn't understand what was going on. I mean, he knew it was a blessing, but he wasn't following exactly. And he realized that if he doesn't have a mincha now, so he's going to lose this zman of mincha. It's going to pass by. He won't be able to have a mincha. So he went to, store, to a corner and he started to daven. In the middle of his davening, the priest finished the blessing and he commanded everybody there to answer amen. And everybody answered amen. And the Khase didn't understand, first of all, what was going on. It was all in Latin. And he also was in the middle of Shemenaserah. He didn't want to interrupt. So when the priest went around and asked if everybody answered Amen, so they said yes. They said, did the Jew answer Amen? He said no. So the priest went started going crazy and pulling out his hair. And he's saying, if not every person answered Amen, the bracha is not going to come true. And because of that, the king got very, very angry. And he killed this Jew, this chassid, chopped him up into many pieces. And uh, then he expelled all the Jews from the from his land. So he had a friend, this chassid, who was also a chassid, and he was bothered why his friend met such a gruesome end. So one day, the dead chassid came to his friend, it wasn't in a dream, he walked up to him in the middle of the day, and he said to him, I know you're wondering why I was killed in such a cruel way, I'll explain to you. He says, one time my young son didn't answer Amen. I'm sorry, I didn't answer Amen to my young son's bracha. And Hashem was angry at me. But because I was a chassid, so Hashem, you know, waited. He he didn't take out his anger on me immediately. However, when I was standing there, and the king, who was a human king, he got angry at me that I didn't answer Amen. So in Bezdin Shalmaila, it uh, awakened a kitchrug against me. And because of that, that I didn't answer Amen originally um, to my son's bracha. And therefore, that's why I met such a gruesome end in that, uh, in that way. And he told him, this chassid told this other chassid, you should tell this story throughout the world. So the Chacham Abu'av told this story to Amardchai, and he says, I want to tell you something. The fact you didn't answer Amen was a very serious offense. And I wanted to, I put you in chayrim, so you should have a kapara in this world. And therefore, I'm willing to be meichel you if you're going to publicize um, this, uh, this story about the importance of answering Amen to every bracha. So he was in, um, so this is the story that happened while he was here in Italy, in Venice. And he was there for 10 years. So 1561 to about uh, 1571. Um, in the year Shin Lamed Beis, some say it was a little later with Shin Lamed Tess, he became the Rav in Haradna, or as well called Grodna. Um, and over there he built a big, a big shul there. He started the building of it and it finished off in uh, Shin Lamed um, And um, on, the, on, the, on the Mizrach wall, it's engraved into the wall that this base this mikdash maat, was uh, built by the goin halavush malchus leprat gadol pe gimel stands for prat gadol, which means to say that they said it was built by the levush malchus, but the gematria of levush is three hundred and thirty-eight, which indicates the year shin Ches that the base medrash was was, uh, was built. So that's what he did, and he left, that Besmejish stood for many years, that shul stood for many years, um, and it was known as built by the Levush. Um, in Shin Memches, he was called to Lublin to become the Rav of Lublin. The Maram Lublin had left and gone to Krakow to take over his father-in-law's position. Years later, he came back to, to Lublin. However, the Levush became the Rav in Lublin. In Shin Memtes, he went to another city in, in Valin called Kremnitz, and um, he was a rov in that city. And then finally in the year of Shinnun Bays he went back to his hometown of Prague into uh, to take the place of the Maralmi Prague. The Maralmi Prague at that point left Prague and went to Pozin. And in Shinnun Bays the Levush took over his position in Prague. And in Shin Nuntes, five years, uh, seven years later, they switched positions. We mentioned this in our Shir on the Maral Mi Prague. The Maral went back to Prague, and that's where Mordechai went to Posen, and he remained there from Shin Nuntes till Shin Ayan Beys, um, 13 years until um, he was Nifta. Now, when he was in Prague and in Posen, he was the head of what was called the Vad Arba HaRotas. At that point, it was actually only called the Vad Shalosh HaRotas. And the Vad, this Vad, which was, is known in history as the Vad Arba HaRotas, was a governing body of Jews, of, of Rabbanim who governed over the uh, these different lands. There was Big Poland, Small Poland, Galicia, all different lands, the, 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 the three Aratzas, the four Aratzas, at one point there were even five Aratzas, till eventually, no matter how many were, they gave it the name, the Vada Arbo Aratzas. So, his, it, there is uh, one of the uh, G'daylom of the time, the Tzemach David, he writes about Remard Chayafi, HaRav HaGadol HaMuflog B'Chachmo Vizikna. Noise Degel Machane He carries the flag of Klal Yisrael. Hamid Tamidim Harbei. He he uh, taught many Tamidim uh roish veikur migdolei Rashi yeshivas. He is one of the main Rashi yeshivas. The dayanim deShalash Haratzas. That's why it's called the vad at that point the vad Shalash um, and the Tzemach David is in Prague at that time, and he writes, he came here in Chaydashir Shinnun Bays, and he's still here with us in Prague. That's how we know the year the Levush came to Prague was based on this testimony of the Tzemach David. So we see already at this point in Prague, he was already one of the G'daylom of the V'ad Arba and he continued, when he was in Posen, to continue to run the V'ad Arba Now in the year Shinnayin Bays which is right before he was Nifter, in 1612, there was a fascinating story in Kalal Yisrael that involved all the G'day Hadar and was called the Get Mi'Vin, the Get from Vienna. What was the story behind this Get? the fascinating story? And the story is as follows. There was a young man named Yitzchak who was all of 16 years old. And he was married to a girl from a rich family in Vienna. And he got very sick and he was on his deathbed. And they didn't have any children. So the wife, the girl's family, um, were, was afraid that if he dies, she's going to need chalitza. So they convinced him that he should give a get to his wife, divorce his wife. And they, and they told him that if he gets better, she'll remarry him. And if not, so then at least she won't fall to chalitza. So he, he agreed to give the get. Now the misadre haget, those who um, ran the ceremony of the get, was, number one, the S'ma, Reb Yeshua Falk Hakayin? was the S'ma, and the other one is one of the Pirushim in the back of the Gemara, known as the Chachmas Manayach, um, Reb Manayach Handel. Two G'daylim were the ones who ran this get, and they explained to this young man that nowadays we don't give divorces al-tanay, on a condition. You know, I divorce you, on the condition that I die. So we don't do that anymore, like the Gemaras talk about all those cases. Um, so you have to give a get without any conditions. However, what they did is they made a binding agreement. They called it a shtar kishor, a document that, that, that's binding. And they made a kinyin, they committed to it with a kinyin, that if he gets better, she, within 30 days of him getting better, will remarry him. Um, and if not, if, if uh, they don't want to get remarried, so then, or one of them refuses to get remarried, there was a high penalty of uh, money, that would ha- a fine that would have to be paid. So he, he agreed and he gave the get. The next day he actually got much sicker and they added a name onto him, Yisrael Yitzchak. And then he got better. And he wanted to remarry his wife. However, they refused. And it seems in the background they never really meant that she should ever remarry him. It was one big trick to get him to divorce, divorce her for whatever reason. It seems her mother was a very strong-willed person that the family followed whatever she wanted. And the relatives said, listen... The document is, doesn't obligate us, and back and forth, and finally said, okay, you know what, we'll, do, we'll, we'll, we'll start again, we'll make the Shidduch again with new time with new conditions. And it was very tough conditions for him to uh, fulfill, to be able to marry her, and there were a lot of um, monetary things, and eventually um, it didn't work out. And uh, they actually swindled him, he gave her a, t- a lot of money, he had sold a house he owned in Lemberg, and gave it to, to her, and they and still they didn't uh, do the Shidduch. And she ended up um, being um with someone else. She didn't get married yet with someone else, but they were, they were engaged to be married. So then became a big Shiloh, was the get really kosher or not? Maybe the guy only gave it, he had a mind to give it on the tznai, even though it wasn't made out t'nai. but his das was that they should get remarried, and if she's not getting remarried, so then maybe the get is not good. The Maramu Lublin, who was the Rav at that time in Lemberg, in Lvov, he wrote a tshuva about it, it's in tshuvas Maramu Lublin, Shaila kuf Khaf be, is a very long tshuva, and uh, he calls it a mirma, this was a trick, and he says that anyone who's mater hoisha, anyone who permits her to get married to anyone else, is going to have to give a din because she's a married woman. And then that was how he went through the sugya, a very long chuva. Then afterwards he has 15 paragraphs where he goes and he, um, and, he, and, he, and he deals with the claims. He calls them the kat hamakilim, the lenient ones. And uh, he goes through why each of their reasons are not a good reason. And he had numerous Rabbonim who signed on to his Psak as well. One of them was named Rav Shimshin Bachner, and he writes an unbelievable thing. He says, If all of the Chachamim of Poland and Russia will be on a scale and the maram Lublin will be on the other side, he will be machria es kulam. he will outweigh them, bil arifta, which is sharp, with his sharpness, uvikius, asher b'tshuva anal, with his sharpness and his Bikius that he showed in the Chuva that he just wrote. Um, now, the Levush got involved. He was the God Adar, the head of the Avar Arbaratsus. He was the end of his life here. So he was, uh, he was, you know, over 80 years old. He was one of the Zekanim. And he agreed to the Psakh of the Maram. Interestingly enough, in, first when he wrote his Psakh, the Levush, he was going on the basis of what the Sma had writ, written him, the uh, details. And he came out with a very interesting Psakh that he said, it won't even work for the husband to give her a second get he held a second get wouldn't work, he had some lambdas like that, and he has, there's no other etzah but for her to return and stay married to her first husband. The Maram of Lublin said she needs at least another get. At the end, when the Maram wrote him different details, a little bit differently, so then the lavush retracted, and he said he agrees that, that a second get would work. She needs the get, he, he still agrees to that, but he agreed now, he conceded, that a second get um, would work. However, the Sma. Was standing strong that the get is kosher. The Chacham's Menayech had been niftar ready right afterwards. The Marsha, the Bach, the 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 masses and many other Rabbis held like the Sma, and they were mad to her, and they held it was a good get. Um, in Shina in Aleph, the Vadar Bararotzis got together to decide what to do, and um, and then again a little bit in Shina bays it happened again. They got together, and. um, Right before the meeting of the Vadar Baratzis, again the the, the, the Levush was very old, there was a rumour that went out that the Levush had retracted and permitted it. And the Levush wrote a letter, and this is written is also brought in the Chuvas Lublin Kupchafei, and he writes it's not true. And he writes in the middle of Devay And I'm now lying on my deathbed, he says. Um uh, Bidin and I'm dependent on Hashem shi Sadeini that he'll support me trufa to send me a medicine or a fool and a cure mechalyhaza. So he was on his deathbed. And he writes that anyone who's makil is maternash ish, umar bin and they are going to increase Mamzairim in Klay Israel, Khalilo, Khaliloh, Khalilo, Zimni. I'm writing Khalila forbidden three times. Um, three times for, it's, uh, to, to do such an act and let her just get married to someone else without another get now he's, he writes I'm signing with shaky hands weak hands I'm sorry I'm sorry Mardchai Mikro Yafa, that's how he used to sign his name. Mardchai, who's called Yafa. So this was three days before he was Nifter, because he was Nifter on Gimel Adar Beis. So this was Rishchaydish Adar Beis. Now it says there at the end of the tshuva, he's, it says there was an addition written by two rabbonim. Since the Levush is on his deathbed, and his hands are very shaky, and you cannot recognize his signature, lest anybody say he didn't write this. We are going to be mekayim his signature, and we are going to testify. And the two dayanim over there—they testified. No one was the cipher, one was a the rav. They signed that we um, assure you that this is his signature, and then that this was the letter sent to the vadar baratiz three days before um, his petira. The end of the of the story was a long saga, and eventually. The Varabarotus voted that most Rabbanim held not like the Maram and the Lavush, and they were actually, um, and they were mad to her. Um, and this story is brought by Bekitzer in the Taz and the Beishmul and and Kufmam in Evan Ezer. And another interesting piece of information is if you turn to the Marsha, at the end of Masech Gittin, he starts off, the last piece is a paragraph that says, deris habayim, in order that future generations should know, and he talks about uh, a, a, a get, this halacha, he don't, doesn't mention the story, but he mentions the halacha of giving a get to get out of Chalitza and... Um, and that's the history behind that piece there at the end of the Marsha. He wrote, I just finished Mosef Gitin, so I know the sugyas, and I'm going to write this in order for future generations um, to know this. The Arach also handles this. He brings the Marsha, also over there on Kuf hey. So this um, made it, was a very big tumult in, uh, in Kla Yisrael. As we said, the, three days later, on Gimel Adrasheni of Bay, 1612, the lavush was Nifter, and he was buried in posen. Now let's talk about his Svarim, called the Levosh. He composed 10 Svarim based on the Pasuk, very appropriate for Adar. His name was Mardchai, so therefore he gave the name based on all of the Levush of Mardchai. What was the clothing of Mardchai Atzadik in those Psukim? were all these different things. So since his name was Mardchai, he called it uh, the Levush, the clothing of um, each one, as we'll see, has its own name based on the clothing of Mardchai. Now, there's a story that's told and the Chavetz Chaim, in his Sefer Nidcha Israel Perich of Gimel brings the story that the reason why he was Zaycha, the Levush was Zaycha Min Hashamayim, to compose all of these svarim because once when he was younger he had a very big Nisayan, uh, a chash of a lady um, tried to seduce him to do an avera and all the doors were locked, and the only way to get out was to go through where the toilet was, to go through the, in those days, obviously, there was no uh, no plumbing, so it was a hole in the ground, and he had to go throughout through the sewer system, and he became very disgusting, and he was Mavaza himself, and all his clothing became disgustingly dirty, and because his clothing became disgustingly dirty from the sewage, so he was zaycheh, to write a sefer called Levushim, with khashavah clothing so to speak um, as his svarim. there's a there, it's there's they say that there's um at that point he was such a good looking person that's why it's called yafa yafa he looks beautiful that he asked Minashamayim, that since he had such an isayan that 10 generations after him they should all not be good looking maybe they should be ugly um and uh, for 10 generations, so no one should go through such an isayan. There, That's uh, that's how the story is set over. Um, uh, you know, that's, uh, I don't know if everyone in the 10 gener- generations were also extremely ugly or not. If Dhamma to the Lavush, he writes, Omar Hatayfer. He always starts every sefer, the uh, the tailor writes. He's he's writing a sefer of, called the Lavush clothing, he calls himself the tailor. They all start, Omar Hatayfer. So he explains, he says, really, I wanted to teach Talmidim Makshivim. He says, I really wanted to teach Torah, like, like the Mitzemach David said, he had Talmidim harbei. But he says, interesting thing, he says, Sharo Sherosh The Bochim at the time weren't so interested in learning. So he says, if I have to be a Marbitz Torah, I have to spread Torah, I have an obligation. If I can't teach, I should at least write Seferim. So he writes as follows. He said, the Sefer Beis Yosef came out on the tour. So the Beis Yosef brings all the Gemaras and the Shittahs on the tour. And all the Lomdim were so happy, what a safer. He says, but then, B'Roi I realized that it's just too long. It's very lengthy, the Beis Yosef. So I decided, he says, I thought I, thought I should make like a Kitzer of the Beis Yosef. And I started to do that, meaning take all the Shittahs the Beis Yosef brings and make it a little bit more um, condensed and concise. He says, that's when he writes that um, that's when he had to leave Prague, they were expelled from Prague, and he went to uh, Venice. He says, when I was in Venice, then I heard that the Beis Yosef himself made a concise version of his Sefer, which we call the Shulchan Aruch. And he says, I realized that I should stop what I'm doing because the Beis Yosef already did it. So I stopped my work. And V'kibalti schar La Prisha. I accepted schar on Prisha and stopping to do work. He says, then when the Sefer came, the, base, the Shulchanar came, I was very disappointed. He says it was much too short, much too concise. It was like a closed book, like everything just without reasons, like everything is accepted as Allah Chalamayshah Misina without reasons. He says, I also noticed he, also, he went with the Rambam. And in our lands where Ashkenaz, we don't go always with the Rambam, there's other Rishaynim of Ashkenaz, the Rosh, and so on and so forth. So I said to myself, you know what, maybe I should um, just write a Pirush based on the way we are Nayeg in Ashkenaz. He writes in Ashkenaz, in Bohemia, Moravia, Poland, Russia, all of these lands of Ashkenaz. And uh, I'll write a Pirush on the Beis Yosef explaining where those customs come from. He says, but then in the middle of writing that, I heard that my Rabbi the Ramah already did that. And he wrote it on the Beis Yosef, so I was excited. So I stopped working again on this Sefer. Why? Because he writes, Who was the Ramah, his Rebbe? Ask me. I'm not going to get involved in a place where Gedolim are standing. He says, Now, in the meantime, he says, Since I had nothing to do, this farm that I was writing and working on, I stopped. So batala koshola. It was very hard for me to be bored. So I decided to write an explanation on three different svarim. One on the of Avuchim of the Rambam, a philosophy sefer. One on Hilchas Kiddush HaKoidesh, the astronomy of the Rambam in Yad HaChazokin, is halacha sefer. He says there were many printing mistakes, that there were no pictures, and even the pictures that are there are not in the right place. So he wrote that part of it. And then he wrote a sefer on Kabbalah, based on the Makubu called the Rikanti's Pirush al So he wrote a Pirush on that. Three different, um, t- you know, um, subjects. One is philosophy, one is uh, science and astrology, and the other one is Kabbalah. Um, he continues, he says, Also, when I, from when I was very young, I was already writing Pirushim and Psukim and Rashi, as we'll see a little bit later. So I wrote that I was working on that, and I also wrote drushes to say berabim to say publicly on on and and at a bris at a chasana brachas different simchas. Sounds like he prepared like different drushes if he ever is going to need them. So he says then. What happened? The Shulchan Aruch came out with the Ramah's Hagoy's, the Ramah's Pirish on the Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah's additions to the Shulchan Aruch. And I realized, he says, that the Ramah went in the same way like the Shulchan Aruch, a little too concise and without any reasons. Also, just like Halach mesenai he didn't really do the job the way I wanted it to be done. So he says, I decided I'll go back and start again. You see how many false starts he had? And he went back again and he writes... A shulchan aruch is a set table. They set their table with all types of delicacies. He says, but there's no salt. It's all bland without any salt. He says, of course, the shulchan aruch and the Ramah, they knew the reasons for anything, for everything. So they could just write the halacha and automatically they know all the reasons. But he says, but for us, we need reasons. We're not so big like them. Just like food needs salt, we need reasons for the halacha. And he says, not only that, he says, for us, if we know the reasons, we'll be able to remember the halacha better. He says also that the Shulchan Aruch left out some of the halachas that the tour had written. And he says, my safer I want it to be somewhere in the middle. Not as lengthy as the Beis Yosef on the tour, but not as concise as the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah. Yarich v'mokka I will... Um, be lengthy when it's necessary, and I will be concise when it's proper. And he says, for people of my age, it'll be a very big tayales, and also for bocharim, who are starting to learn, when they're young, they'll be able, they'll be able to clothe themselves, when they're younger, and they'll be able to get a very good knowledge of halacha and the reasons. Now, why am I calling it Levush Malchus? That's the name of all the Svarim. Because Man Malchi Rabbanon, the Malachim are the Rabbanon, V'gam Seirim Hamaschilim, and it's also for the young ones who are just starting to learn. He says, so the Levush Malchus, this clothing of the Malachim, he says, I divide it into eight Begadim, eight different Svarim. We'll see the eight became ten, but eight different Svarim, because that's the amount of Big Day Kahuna, that the Kayan Gadol used to wear, and Talmudic are called Kayhanim as well. So we have Keser Kahuna, umalchus Malchus B'makam echad. We have the crown of Kahuna and Malchus, the Rabbonon being the Malachim, the Rabbonon being the Kayhanim. So the Levush Malchus has eight Be'gadim like the Kayan to unite the Kahuna and the Malchus together B'makam echad, both of them referring to the Talmudic so the first is the Levush T'cheles. Remember, it's based on the pasal Kamar T'chayatsim Lifnea Melech. So, Levush uh, Malchus, that's the start. So the first one is T'cheles. Levush T'cheles is the first Chelek of Tur Orachayim, um, which was printed in Lublin in the year Shin Nun. And then it was printed a second time in Shin Nun as we'll see. And then a third time, all of the first four volumes were printed again in Shin Samachtes. So three times in the Levush's life. Um, Tur Orachayim which begins with the Seder Hayim, So he says, why is it called the Vush t'cheles? Because just like a person is obligated to wear Tcheles in their tzitzis, so too a person is, is obligated to clothe themselves in the Dinim in this chalak, which is the, the first part of Arachayim, the Dinim of, um, of Seder Hayim and, um, and, and how to eat. The first two, what we would call the first two Chalakim of Mishnaburah, which goes all the way to uh, Hilcha Shabbos. The second chalik was called the Vush HaChor. That's the second half of the Torah Arachayim, which is Shabbos, Rosh and Yontif. Chor, he says, is also from the Lashon of Chiver, of white. And um, because a person is supposed to change his clothing on Shabbos to white clothing, the Gemara talks about wearing white clothing on Shabbos. So just like you have to change to white clothing on Shabbos, a person has to clothe themselves himself in these dinim as well. The third chalik was called the Vush The Shach and Taz throughout Yarudea are always called, quote, quoting the Atera or Ayin Tez which is the Lavush. And the reason is because why is it called Atera Zahav? This is Yarudeya. Because she'ikr keser she'maachin Rabanon, when we want to crown the rabbonon, to call them merenu, to give them smicha, so we focus on Yeridea, on the halachas of Yisra of kashrus of Avelos, all these halachas, so that's why Yeridea is called a Levush tachrich butz ve'argaman. That's Evinah Ezer. Why? Because butz and argaman are colorful, purple and, and different colors of of wool. So the women, that's Evinah Ezer, because women also are very happy with colorful clothing. You're supposed to yant if It says you give women colorful clothing. Big day The levush ir shushan, right? Ir shushan le right? shushan is an Mishvat The smaz always bringing the ir shushan, which is the levush. And the reason is because um a city has to um has to govern itself with the laws of business. And uh, so that's the ear, that's the city. A city is business, She-Mishpat laws. And he says the Lushan Shushan is from the Lushan of Sheishana, from a Arose. So it has to be that the laws have to be nice, good laws that help people. Levush Oira again we're holding Shushan over um, um right, after Veer Shushan So L'evush um, Aira is his Pirush and the Taira, And those are B'uriman Rashi. In the in the actually in the in the title page of L'evush Aira, he writes, L'evush Hashishi, Asher Tafar, Hagoin Ramard Chayafi. This is the sixth L'evush that the Ramard uh, Chayafi had sown. And he writes there that it is a beer on Divrei Rashi Lamitasam. And he also. Um, he also gets involved in the Mepharshay Rashi, like the Mizrahi, the Raim, and the Gor'arye, the Maral, who was a contemporary of his. And he writes in the Akdama, this is how we know, know he got married in Shin Yir Gimel. He writes, I started writing this after I got married in Shin Yir Gimel. On Shabbos HaGadol I decided to do this. And I didn't start with Paredes. I started the Shabbos before Matan Torah, Parshas Bamidbar. And I decided to write a little bit every week, what I was Mechadish and Pirish Rashi, and um, he says, I would start and stop. It was a very long, long journey. It took me over 45 years till I finally put the Sefer together because over the years I would do part of the Parsha, a little here, a little there. Um, and he signs it, Chai Tammuz Shin Samech Gimel and it was printed in Shim Samech Dalet in Prague. So that's the Levush Oira, um, which is brought by the Sifse Chachamim many times and there's uh, the Oitzir Mifar Shei Rashi which brings all the Mifar Shei Rashi as the, the main ones are, the Reim, the Mardcha, the Reim, the Gorarye, and the Lavush are the three big Mefarshe Rashi. The next one, Lavush HaSimcha um, are Archeroshas for Simchas, as we said before, that's the only one that was never printed. It was never printed, we don't have it. Levush or The last one is Levush called Or and those are the three svarim which we mentioned before that he that he wrote on the Mar and Kiddush HaChodesh and the Rekanti. They're all three called Levush or and um, and and um, he 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 says I put it in. He he subdivided into three small svarim. One called Levush Pinas Yikras and the Mer because Pinas is lush like of a cornerstone, because it's the cornerstone of the world, it's the philosophy. Levush Adar Yikara Adar is a Lashon of uh, clothing, and Yakar is a Lashon of uh, the moon. He explains how that works, and that's going on Hilchus Kiddush And then the last one, Levush Evan HaYikara, that's the Kabbalah Yikara Yim which is more precious than the pearls. Um... Now he also writes that after he finished the Levush Tchelis Vachor and Arachayim, someone named Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Menachem Yisrael Hanikra Rabbi Yisrael Halavon came to him and seems to have been writing a similar Pirish. I guess Levush couldn't win here. Very similar Pirish. And eventually they got to talking and the Rabbi Yisrael was, he agreed to stop his Pirish, stop writing it, because already the Levush had written to it, written such a Pirish. But the Levush told him that if there's any Chiddush that he finds in the Reh HaLavon, Rabbi Yisrael HaLavon, that is not in the Levush, he'll put it in, and he writes an interesting thing, he says, I left it out, Litam Komus Imadi, I might have left it out for a very specific reason that only I know. But he says, I will write it in my Sefer, Beloshon Haga." like there's here's a, a footnote, and he quotes from the Rebbe Halovan. HaLavon. So you find that numerous times in the Levush, and that's how that came to be, because Rebbe Yisrael HaLavon said, I'm writing the exact same Sefer, but I'll stop because you're writing it. But the Levush agreed if there's some Chiddush that he could bring, that he didn't say himself, he'll bring it there as a footnote. The Tais Yantif wrote Hagoy's notes and corrections and questions when we spoke about the Tais Yantif called Mabush Yantif on the Levush. Someone named Rebella Shapiro, who lived in the sixteen uh, late 1600s, um, so about uh, 50, ye- 50 years or so more after the uh, the lavush, he wrote something called the El Yarab and the El Yazuta on the Lavush, and they all go together. So um, usually in the in the Svarim of the Lavush, you have the El Yarab and the El Yazuta, which are comments, the big the big Elio, the small Pirish Elio, comments on the Lavush. Um, one of the differences between the Levush, besides explaining reasons, is he also sometimes is machriya lahalacha al pi kabbalah. In numerous places he either explains the dinim, and he brings from the zayar as for which is a little different than the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah would do. Now, in his preface to the second printing in Lublin, in and Dalid, he writes that I got a letter from the Chachmei Yerushalayim, who made a seder every single day in the morning when they leave Shul, they made a seder to learn the Sefer HaLavush, in order that the Tiras Hashem should be shagura sh- it should be on their lips. And he writes that I'm asking in my land as well, the Rosh Yeshivas, that they should make such groups to learn every single day a certain amount of Lavush. So it's like, you know, we have Mishnabriwa Yaimi he in Yerushalayim made Lavush Yaimi, and he was asking that this should be done in his country, um, as well. It's interesting because some of these printings of the lavush were three times in his lifetime which is an uncommon thing at that time the, the cost of printing um, things weren't printed so easily and to have a safer in the, in the life of the mechaber printed three times um, in such a short amount of time in a few years um, is, is something uh, um, that was very uncommon. There's a famous maizu with the Shagas who lived in the uh, early 1700s and this happened when he was older, in the late 1700s, he was Nifter in 1785, that when he was old, uh, a, a, a bookshelf fell on him, and, uh, and he was in danger of, 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 of being killed from it. And uh, he said afterwards, he says what happened was, that since he used to ask and argue with many of the previous gedolim, they all got, argue, got angry at him, and they all fell on him, and were very upset. He says, I was able to uh, appease all of them except from the Baal HaLavush. The Lavush I couldn't appease. And finally I told the Lavush, this is what the, the supposedly said, there's a Pusach, Aryeh Shoag, if the lion roars, Mila Yira. how could you not be afraid? So the Shagas Arye was saying, I'm roaring, you should be afraid, the Lavush. How could you not be afraid and you should just back off from me? And the Lavush answered him, but no, me stands for Mard Chayafi. The yeah, Aryeh Shoag. The the lion's gonna roar, but me, but Marz Chayafi Lo Yira. He's not afraid of him, so I don't have to be afraid of you. Um, but he writes. Then eventually, the Shagazari said. But eventually, I made peace with him as well. I just want to end off with one beautiful Levush. Say a, a word from the Levush on Birchas There's a question: What is Birchas Is it a Birchas Hamitzvah? a bracha you say it a Birchas Hashvach? Is it a praise Hashem? The Levush says a novel theory, and a novel pshad, He says it's a birchas hanenin. It's a bracha that you that you say to when you benefit, when you enjoy something. You make a bracha before you eat something. You make a bracha achrayna after you eat. The same thing is with birchas hatayer. He says there is two brachas we say every morning. Lasik week, v'divrei seira and asher banu. So he says asher Um is the um, is the bracha rishaina for today's learning. The bracha achroina on yesterday's learning is vaharavna. And he says, really, you can never make the bracha achroina till you finish um, the time of your eating. So, since you're obligated to learn until you fall asleep, so you can't make the bracha in your sleep, so you can't make the bracha before you go to sleep because you still have to learn until you sleep. So, therefore, you make the bracha achroina on yesterday's Torah in the morning with the bracha vaharavna. And he explains, well, how does the bracha vaharivna, Hashem, make Torah sweet in my mouth? Why is that a bracha So he says, because usually when you eat something, so you have the taste in your mouth. When you eat something else, so now you have the second thing's taste in your mouth, but the first taste is no longer there. The second taste um, obliterates and it, 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 it's mevatel, the taste that's in your mouth. So he says, you're coming to learn new Torah today. Today's Torah is going to be so gishmak and sweet. But we're afraid that today's sweetness is going to make you forget yesterday's sweetness. The taste of Torah from yesterday will be no longer in your mouth because of the new taste that you're getting today. So we daven to Hashem, keep yesterday's Torah sweet in our mouth. And even though we're going to learn more Torah today, it shouldn't yesterday's sweetness. If anything, it should enhance yesterday's sweetness. We should continue to learn more Torah and more Torah, just growing and continuing the sweetness. So that's why the bracha is the bracha that we say on yesterday's Torah. That's how the Levush explains the two brachas of ta'ira. like we said, yesterday was his yardside, Gimel Adar, Sixteen twelve four hundred ninth yard side. S'chus a yagen aleinu Yisrael. Have a wonderful day, everyone. call tov.